With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Closer to Minnesota Vikings and Green Bay Packers, Matthew Collar here, and a very special episode as we welcome in former Minnesota Vikings offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles. Perfect timing, Jeremiah, as uh, there are offensive and defensive line things to discuss Mm -hmm. here between the Vikings and Packers. How pumped are you right now? Oh, man, football's back. I mean, football is back tonight. First of all, we get to actually watch football for the first time since, I mean, the Super Bowl. I didn't watch any last weekend because I, I was sad. I was sad that there was no Husker football. I was sad there's no Big Ten football, so I just shunned all football last weekend. Went and slaughtered, slaughtered some ducks instead. But tonight, <laughs> NFL is back. We're going to be back for it. Vikings come back this weekend. I couldn't be more excited. That's an extremely offensive lineman sentence right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, me too. And, of course, the NFL just always knows how to ramp up the drama to 11 with Mahomes and Watson to start the NFL season. So you just couldn't do better. And also, like, full congratulations to the NFL for making this work with yes. our covid world and uh, just a great job by them. But we have things to get into here mm. with Daniil Hunter going on injured reserve and, uh, you know, I can't figure out exactly how they're going to handle this, Jeremiah, because the, there are a bunch of different options. The one that I landed on for best option is to have Yannick Ngakwe rush off the left end. Is that end. how you say it? I've been saying it wrong for so long now. I was like, Najak Naku, I don't know how to say it. I feel terrible, and I, like, literally don't know how to pronounce it's, it. It's okay. He started out his press conference by pronouncing his name so everyone had it. Yannick 
Ngakwe. Not not that hard. Not that hard. Yannick Ngakwe. Okay. Yep. Uh, So I think that the best option is to have him rush off the left end and have Adenabo play on the right side because that's where he played all the way through camp. Mm -hmm. That's where they planned on starting him anyway. And Ngakwe played about 300 of his 800 snaps on the left side anyway. Plus – There's a mismatch there because we don't even know who's playing right tackle for the Packers. That's how I think they should do it. What is your take on that? Yeah, I completely agree. So I actually got to play against him when I was in Jacksonville. I was with the Vikings. We played against Jacksonville when he was a rookie. And you could tell he just had the pure athleticism of a rusher. Um, He was still raw in kind of where he was at developing technique-wise and developing with his specialized skills. But he's very natural off of that left side of the defensive end over the right tackle. So I think that – we now see why there was that big trade, right? Everyone was kind of like, why do you really sell the farm for this guy? Like, you have Daniil. You have a guy who's an up-and-comer in his body. Like, it, it seemed kind of panicked to me, um, the trade. Like, it made sense in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it's like all we've heard all year is like, we don't have any money. And then it's like, we're going to go sign this big-time, like, pass rusher that's going to need a lot of money, if not this year, next year. Um, so I understand it now because, obviously, this tweak – that was for Daniil Hunter is much more than a tweak. It's it's obviously pretty serious to put a guy on IR and missing the first three games of the season when there's really not a lot of ramp up time here. The Vikings got to come out the gate hot. Um, so I think that that you I think you nailed it. We have a mystery big question mark at right tackle for the Packers. Put your best pass rusher, best proven pass rusher. I'm not saying a Fadi's not going to have a great game, but your best proven pass rusher over the right tackle. Have a Fadi go over there over the left or left tackle. Bakhtiari's one of the best in the league. So I mean it's going to be hard sledding for whoever's over there. So I think you go with the mismatch, you go with the opportunities to have the most success. Well, that's what I was thinking about. You know, Bakhtiari is probably going to neutralize Ngakwe because he's just one of the three or four best tackles in the entire NFL. So if you've got a chance to create a mismatch, it's a much bigger mismatch Ngakwe versus mystery right tackle X than it is Ngakwe versus Bakhtiari or or Adenabo versus the, the mystery tackle. Yeah, and one other thing is I think that over the years, if you watch Bakhtiari, where he struggles, if he does have a part of these struggles, is with the power rush. Mm-hmm. All of Everson's – I mean, when Everson used to have really good success against Bakhtiari is when he'd get into his chest and he'd push him into Aaron Rodgers' lap. Where Bakhtiari is extremely good is with the speed rush guys. And if you look at Yannick – I'm just going to call him by his first name. If you look by, like, Yannick, his, his game is the speed rush, right? His game is – really quick off the, off the ball, firing off the line, getting around guys, getting tackles to turn their hips, spinning back inside. Like, he does a really good job with that. That's Bakhtiari's game. That's He's athletic. He can move his feet extremely well. So I think Afadi's going to probably try and just run through Bakhtiari's chest, and he might not have a lot of success early on, first, first quarter, second quarter. But if he can start wearing him out, third quarter, fourth quarter, I think that's when you'll start to see – um, Afadi start to get some push off that left side if he can just keep getting into Bakhtiari's chest over and over and over again and maybe switch it up every now and then with a spin move or with um, a chop to the outside. That's where we're going to have the most success against David. I'm sure that Bakhtiari told friends and family, thank God Everson Griffin signed with another team. Because... The whole NFC North did. The whole NFC North was like, I'm not upset that Everson is not on this team anymore. <laughs> like, I mean, he's a game record. Like, mm-hmm. every, every, all my coaches that I've talked to that I used to play with, like, when you go game week and you put the star around the game record on defense, it was always around number 97 because he did. He had, he had the potential every game to wreck a game plan. 
And he absolutely did that in week two last year. 11 yes, quarterback did. pressures against Aaron Rodgers in that game. Because I think Bakhtiari was a little dinged up going into it. And if you're not at 100% against Everson Griffin, you're in you some trouble here. It is amazing. I had this sort of hit me, Jeremiah, that the starting defensive line right now versus just two years ago is such a massive difference without Daniil Hunter in there. And as much as I like what Afadi Adenabo has done, and I'm assuming that he's going to get the call, it could be Jalen Holmes they might decide to keep Ngakwe at his position have Jalen Holmes start on the other side like he did at training camp but the difference between having Sheldon Richardson Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph in there to Shamar who I know everybody likes but he's not Linval Joseph uh, or or Michael Pierce and Jaleel Johnson too I mean Jaleel is the one who we've kind of overlooked because there's the trade and then you have now the injury with Hunter but that position, the Tom Johnson memorial position of getting after the passer from the three technique, that is something that Jaleel is going to have to really step up his game. And I don't know about the confidence that they should have in that because I don't see him as a guy who is a true penetrator of the, of the offensive line. I agree, but I think it's got to go back to best laid plans, right? In a perfect world, let's, let's, let's say perfect world, Daniil Hunter's healthy. They trade, for, they trade and get their guy out of Jacksonville. And then all of a sudden, instead of that Tom Johnson role, what do you do? You put a body in there. Right. The body's a big body, right? So I think that was best laid plans. And then now you're kind of like you take one cog out of the machine and everything's out of whack. Right. I think that's kind of probably what happened is they didn't need the Tom Johnson because they had a body. And a body actually rushed from the inside fairly effectively a little bit last year. So I think that was definitely the plan that they wanted to do. But I think that with everything going on and the way that it goes, it's just not quite going to be able to be that way. I think that, sorry, I think that they're going to have to just make sure that um, Jaleel's going to have to have some really big plays this year. And he's really, I mean, it's his contract year. I mean, it's going into, I mean, he's going to be as motivated as anyone to play and he's going to be as motivated as anyone to have success. So I think having Jaleel um, in there is going to be a big guy. And then, I mean, again, Hercules might show back up too. I mean, it's it's hard to say, like, it's going to be by committee. I don't think, at least through the first three weeks, it's going to be by committee as far as who's going to be doing what. I like that you're living the adult life with uh, a dog and a child walking behind you on the Zoom call. It's just like so he, uh, yeah. So my little man's <laughs> learned how to open doors here um, in the last in the last week. So nothing is safe anymore. You can't poop alone. You can't pee alone. You can't do anything alone because he finds you and he opens the door. Uh, yeah, well, I almost let out an audible awe as they walked by you behind, but uh, people can't see that. So you have a, a beautiful golden retriever and child. So um, now when it, when it comes to how they can manage this, uh, the natural sort of thing to say is, well, Zimmer's going to have to ramp up the blitzes. But, you know, the, the way that I look at it is when it comes to the blitzes, if you're doing that against some of the guys that they're facing in the first couple of weeks, that's a really tough task to get Aaron Rodgers thrown off by a blitz or Phillip Rivers thrown off by a blitz. Like I, I really think that the pressure is going to be on these front four guys because you can only do so much with those blitzers or Aaron Rodgers will pick them up and rip you apart, especially on those early downs, third downs, you know, when you know they're going to pass, but if you're doing it on first down on second down, that's where Aaron Jones comes into the mix. That's where screen passes come into the mix that there's got to be a balance for that for Zimmer, for how creative he tries to get. Yeah. And I think another big thing that people aren't really paying a ton of attention to is the lack of crowd noise. 
Right. The yes. Lack, absolutely. The, the lack of the noise and the and not being able to communicate. I mean, so I was on a I was on a Buffalo Bills podcast yesterday talking about how the crowd noise is going to affect two types of quarterbacks: the elite quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, the Philip Rivers, the Kirk Cousins, the the Tom Brady's of the world. It's going to make it really difficult for a lot of defenses because every game is going to be like a home game. Right. They're going to be able to be up at the line of scrimmage, making checks, not having to worry about signals. Like they're going to be able to yell and use their voice, right? And then it's also going to really help the young quarterbacks of the world, the Sam Darnolds, the Baker Mayfields, the the Lamar Jacksons, the Josh Allens. Like those are the guys because, again, same thing, but just it's not as much pressure on them, so they're not as concerned about it. So I think that's a huge piece. I mean, you start talking about Zimmer. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has had very little success in U.S. Bank Stadium. Yes, like, right. Very little success. And a large part of that is because of Vikings Nation, right? They show up, they're loud, it's Packers Weeks, everyone's geared up, they're drunk, they're rowdy, like, and that's the way it should be. That's not going to be a thing this year. So Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to get to the line of scrimmage, take his time, make the checks, vocal checks, make sure everyone's on the same page. You're not sliding the line right and one guy thought he heard left and goes the other way. I mean, it's going to be a really, really challenging thing for these guys facing these elite quarterbacks week in and week out. And so Zimmer's going to know that. Because Aaron Rodgers knows that, and so I think you're right. You're going to see it's going to be very much on these front four. Can you generate pressure? Um, and we've had that. We, being the Vikings, have had that over the last, what, since 2016, really. I think since 2016, you have not had to worry about generating a pass rush without without blitzing. Now, yeah, sometimes they don't get home, but I'd say majority of the time, those front four were getting some shape of pressure on the quarterback. And if they can't do that this year, Zimmer's going to have to completely switch up how he does his double-A gap mug defense. How does he send a guy? Does he roll Perry around more? Who's he sending off the nickel? I mean, he's going to have to get creative. But at the same time, you blitz, you put a pretty new secondary at risk back there too. Right, and that's where I wanted to go next with this, with the secondary. And the you, you have two of the best safeties in the NFL. They know exactly what they're doing. They know all the calls, all the signals. I mean, those guys, you could put them on any team and they're going to make any defense better by a lot. But three corners with a total experience of about 1,000 snaps all added up together in the NFL. Uh, rookies that are probably going to rotate in and out in Cam Dantzler and Jeff Gladney. Mike Hughes, who just hasn't seen the field a whole heck of a lot because of injuries. And Holton Hill, who flashed a little bit in 2018, didn't play very much last year. And then they face a very unique quarterback, Jeremiah. They face somebody who is going to hold the ball for three or four or five seconds, who's going to extend plays and move around. It's almost like if you were just to create a nightmare NFL quarterback to face for a rookie that you've never seen anything like this before, the, the guy that can make throws when you think your guy's covered, all those things, I just it's probably the worst matchup. And if they can – just hang tight against Aaron Rodgers in this game with the young corners. I, I think that'll be a really good sign for them. Yeah, I think that. I mean, you got to be. You can't let the moment get too big for you ever in the NFL. I mean, nothing's like a bigger moment than Week One. All eyes on you because everyone's just been waiting for football their entire time, right? I mean, again, it's not going to be as bad because it's going to be an empty stadium. Like you're not going to have the, the the atmosphere of the loud and rowdy and all eyes on you thing at a personal level, but you'll know that there's millions of people watching. Um, but I think that you nailed it. I mean, they've got – and it's not like they're going up some some slap receivers either. I mean, the Packers got some really good receivers, and they do some really tough things in the run game too that really make these corners have to tackle. Um, I mean, these corners are going to have to come up and 
they're going to have to tackle. And that's one thing I think everyone forgot how great of a tackler Trey Waynes was. Right. Yes. Mean, that dude yep. was an incredible force edge defender tackler. Not much got by him. He would throw his head in there. And a lot of times, if you have a corner that can do that, you can do a lot more stuff inside the box with your safeties and stuff. You're not terribly concerned about them breaking contain. How well does Holton Hill tackle? How well does Mike Hughes tackle? Those are going to be things that, I mean, we talk about the pass game, but corners are incredibly important in the run game because they're really last line of defense in the perimeter there. If you don't have these guys that are willing to go put their heads in it, I mean, they get the edge, and that's when you see the big explosive plays. So, I mean, not only are you going to have Aaron Rodgers back there trying to throw to Adams deep, trying to extend plays and doing all kinds of crazy things, but you're going to have a run game because I think that um, the coach up there, LaFur and them, want to run the football. It yeah. is the NFC yeah. North. Aaron Rodgers is getting a little older. Like, you don't want to rely on him as much as you might have to because, again, like, they just drafted that quarterback in the first round. Are we seeing the end of the Rodgers era in Green Bay? Are we trying to move into a new system? So, I don't know. That'll be a really interesting piece to look at and watch, too. Want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their official collaboration with Bud Grant. Yes, Bud Grant. You can now get your official Bud Grant shirt and Man Cave art print. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out, and we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. You know, I wonder if Zimmer in a game like this uses more base defense because Eric Wilson is a really darn good player. And as much as they like what they've seen from Cam Dantzler and Jeff Gladney in training camp, I think you want to protect those guys as much as you can. And I also think that LaFleur wants to go a Kubiak-Shanahan way of using the fullback more often, using the tight ends more often. And that could, I think, benefit the Vikings because they have three great linebackers. It's not often the teams in today's game have three very competent or very good linebackers. And last year, the Seattle Seahawks didn't like what they had for nickel corners, so they just played base a lot. And everyone went, what are you doing? Is this 1992? but they performed better when their base package was on the field. And I wonder if Zimmer tries to do that a little bit more because when he had Mackenzie Alexander or Terrence Newman locking down nickel corner, you didn't need to do it. But now I think that there's going to be more need for him to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, a lot of it's just going to be a matchup. Is can Eric Wilson run with whoever they put out there in the slot? I mean, that's going to be a big piece of it. I think he can. I mean, athletically, he's, he's probably one of the more athletic guys on the team. I mean, he always has been since I was even there. I mean, he just, he's an extremely athletic freak, strong, fast, can run to the ball, but can he keep up with the Cole Beasley's of the world? Right. I mean, that's, that becomes the question. Um, Because even if you throw your base defense out there, because you feel more confident, if Cole Beasley can shake Eric Wilson, get a three yard slant, turn it into six yards. Is that really a positive play or is that more of a, we're just surviving type of thing? Right. I think that's going to be a lot too, is how the matchup works on that. But I think you will see more base defense out of Zimmer this year. Just because he does, I mean, he's had Kendricks and Barr forever, but that, that Sam or Will spot, whatever, which one they're playing, um, has been kind of a rotating, I mean, it was mm-hmm. Chad Greenway for a while, and then it was Ben Gideon for a while, and then it was Eric Wilson, and then you kind of just been, like, throwing guys in there. I mean, it was Kentrell Brothers. Like, you haven't had that, like, staple guy that's been there. So I think if Eric Wilson can become that staple third linebacker for them this year, then there's really no need unless there's a matchup issue to take them all off the field. All right, before we talk about the Vikings offense versus the Packers defense, 
where would you suspect knowing that Hunter is out here and that it's going to take some ramp up time once he returns? Cause he hasn't been doing anything so far during camp at all, like no running on the side or anything like that. Um, where, where are we putting the Vikings defense at the end of the year? Top five, top 10, top 15. I think you can be top half. I, I think top half is probably where you want to shoot. And I'm not saying like top 10, I'm saying more like you want to squeak in like, 15, 14, because it's just so much unknown. Now, am I saying that they can't be a top 10 defense? Absolutely not. But a lot of what our defensive success will come off of is what is our offense scoring. Um, In the years that the Vikings were good, that year we went 13 and three, we were scoring a decent amount of points up front, which then allowed us to be at our strength, which was getting after the pass rusher, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Getting after the quarterback as a pass rush group. Like that was our strength. That's always been the strength of these front four guys up till this point was let's get a 14, 10 to 14 point lead and just let these go, these lunatics go do what they do, right? (laughs) That's essentially, and that's every offensive lineman's nightmare when you're playing a team like the Vikings where they've got guys that can just rush and pin their ears back and go. Um, where I think that if this offense can score 28 points a game, you could definitely be a top 10 defense. I think, I think that, and, and this offense has the opportunity to do that. So I think that the, the, the complimentary football this year for this team is going to be make or break what they can do. Yeah, this is a, this is a terrific point that last year, Tampa Bay it will always be my example. Yep. Jameis Winston throws 30 picks. All of a sudden your defense looks horrible. But in terms of efficiency, Tampa Bay had a good defense. And tell me that Tom Brady protecting the football, scoring a lot of points while almost never turning it over has not helped Bill Belichick's defenses be at the top of the league for a very long time. And I, I love the 2017 example of running the ball. Case never turned it over that year. He'll never do that again in his life, but he never turned it over. He had one fumble the whole year. And even though Zimmer was upset about a few interceptions, he had one of the lower interception rates in the entire NFL that season, and it definitely benefited uh, the defense. And so on the offensive side, here's where it's got to start for me, Jeremiah. It's got to start with the two guards proving that they can play in the NFL. Dakota Dozier has been a longtime backup. Pat Elfline is on his third position in three years. And then even, you know, Garrett Bradbury is a first-round pick with a lot of talent. But, hey, are you better this year? Here's Kenny Clark to find out. Like, you are going to know right away. And as much as there are questions about the other weapons, how much Justin Jefferson will play, will Irv Smith take another step forward, all those things, I have much more confidence that those guys can catch the football and run with it than I do the interior of the offensive line can block the Packers' defensive line. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all starts and ends, right? I mean, it, for any game. And, I mean, I might be a little biased here playing offensive line, but the game's always won in the trenches. It doesn't matter if you're in high school, peewee, college, NFL, CFL. It, it doesn't matter. The game's won in the trenches because you could have an all-pro wide receiver core, and if you're playing with stick figures up front, it doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't. So, I mean, you're looking at this Vikings offensive line. And let's just go through it. Let's just go through it left to right here. You look, so you got Riley Reef, right? who was going into last year, took a pay cut to stay with the team. Not what I expected him to do. I really didn't. I think COVID yeah. had a lot to do with that, first of all. I think the uncertainty of everyone's just like, I don't really know. Like, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, so I'm just going to stay here. Um, I think, I mean, he's made enough money anyways, too. I think that, that that really isn't a huge thing for him. I think he knows, again, this team's special. This team's got a chance to do some good things. So, solid offensive lineman, right? He's got his hands full in, I mean <laughs> – Preston Smith and Zadarius. I mean, the Smith brothers ain't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you look at Riley. When you go inside, you got Dakota Dozier. 
He played with me actually in the East West Shrine game. I've known Dakota for a long time. Um, he played with like a good friend of mine, Brent Qualley, for the Jets for a long time. He was there last year, came in, did some things all right. Um, I don't think he – I know he played against the Packers last year actually when um, – who went down? I think F-Line went down. Elfline, yeah, and uh, Dozier gave up more pressures than anyone else on the team during that game. <laughs> yeah, so not awesome. Not, 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 <laughs> not what you great, want when you run great. out there. Not really, awesome, not great. I mean, basically, if Dozier doesn't hold up, they're going to have to go to Ezra Cleveland is the way that I look at it. I don't think that's a good idea. I really don't. I think that if you want to throw your rookie to the wolves, this isn't the game to do it. Um, this yeah, is not, not 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 in this game for sure. Not but, in this game. But I over the first that, couple yes. of weeks, we're going to find out: is Dozier ready for a starting job, or mm-hmm. are you going to have to do something else here? Yeah. So I, I look at Dozier kind of like so. I don't know if the name rings a bell for you, but last two years ago, a guy named Greg Van Roten came oh, from yeah. the CFL, went to the Carolina Panthers. Unproven, he bounced around forever. Dude won the starting job during camp, which I was a little salty about because I thought I should have won it. But anyways, <laughs> won the starting job during camp, plays for two years, and is a, went and signed a nice big deal for the Jets. So, I mean, mm-hmm. anyone can do it at any time. I mean, anyone can take that next step. Now, the question is, did Dakota take that next step? Obviously, he did something right to be starting because I know it's not an easy thing to start in the NFL. So, how much did he grow? How much more physical? How much more all this? So, But, again, that will be on display week one. Because yep. this front, this front's not a slap front. So I mean, that'll be on straight league one. You go to Brad, Garrett Bradbury. You nailed it, young player. How much did he improve? I mean, you know he's loaded with talent, but how much of his mental game is he ready to go up there and play fast, play more physical than he did last year? He looked a little tentative to me at times last mm-hmm. year. I think if he can play more fast this year and not be thinking as much, which you should go into year two, you should be way more comfortable. And you go to Pat, my guy, love Pat. But three positions in three years is so hard, man. That is so hard to do. You don't get in a groove of things. You don't get in a rhythm. And they've asked Pat to do a lot. And, I mean, I give kudos to Pat. He's never said no, right? He's never rose a stunk. He's never he's never gave a hard time. He just wants to play and help the team. So maybe he's more of a natural right guard. I don't know. He might be. Maybe he's more of a natural right guard this year. But, again, we'll be finding out right away. And then you got your more solid offensive linemen in all of them, and Brian O'Neill, which I'm really glad. I, I personally believe that if they would have cut Riley Reef, they would have tried to move Brian to left, which I think would have been a horrible mistake um, because he has a chance to be an all-pro right tackle this year. Right. I, I 100% agree. Did not like the idea of moving him to left tackle, especially right before you go up against Zadarius and Preston Smith. And they move those guys around, and you have to find Zadarius Smith, and then all of a sudden switch everything in your brain and – readjust your eyes completely to how you're looking at the game did not like that idea at all Mm -hmm. and so I mean really Brian should thank Riley Reef. and I know that maybe a little less money could be on the table for Brian O'Neill in the future with an extension if he stays at right tackle but I think it's it's still just as valuable as left tackle or very very close in the NFL today with the number of freaks and the number of guys who move around well, I mean, yeah, you start looking at where are you starting to see these big-time pass rushers start to emerge, right? They're all moving over to rush over the right tackle because they know the big money's at the left tackle. So you start looking, where'd Von Miller make all his money? Over the right tackle. Where'd Khalil Mack start making a lot of his money? Where it is, I mean, obviously, Daniil Hunter. You start, like, the right tackle position is becoming extremely important, and people are starting to pay him. I mean, Lane Johnson's gotten paid a good amount yep. of money to be a very good right tackle in the NFL. Leal Collins is getting paid a lot of money to be a good right tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, 
I wouldn't say, I mean, yeah, you're not going to sign the $100 million deal as a, as a, as a right tackle, but you might sign 85 and you know what? I would take 85. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that's kind of a thing, but yeah, I think Brian, if he can become a premier right tackle in the league, which it looks like he can, I mean, this is going to be the year where I think mm-hmm. he takes the step from very good to all pro. I really think he could have an all pro type season this year. If he stayed with his training regiment, keeps his weight up and keeps playing the way he has, um, but yeah, I'm really glad he's going to stay over there. But again, he's going to be tested right away. Preston Smith's very good snap. I think you'll see Zadarius Smith over Riley more than you will over Brian. Very much kind of like what we talked about earlier in the show with where do you put um, um, Afadi? Yannick and Gosway. Yannick, I'm going to struggle with that all year, just so you're aware. Um, <laughs> with Yannick, um, where do you put him over? I mean, you're going to create the matchup, right? Where can you get the most pressure in? If we're being real, we lost the tape from last year. Darius Smith really kind of had his way with Riley Reef last year. He did. Yep. And he had his way with everyone on the Vikings. And really, he led the NFL in pressures by PFF's numbers. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, he had an unbelievable year last yeah. year. Did he repeat that? Who knows? Uh, so, I, let's talk about the quarterback for a second. I mean, we've. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. It's your area of expertise on the offensive line. But uh, Kirk Cousins, I think, in this game and this year, has more on his shoulders because of what we talked about with the defense. It's just not going to be the same as having Sheldon Richardson, Everson Griffin, a healthy Daniil Hunter, uh, and Linval Joseph. Um, so you're going to have some dip there from uh, where they've been in the past. And I think that that's going to require more of Cousins the question is when he's not as protected in his sort of cocoon of running and play action as he was last year, I think we're going to find out, is this a guy who is growing in his 30s as a quarterback, as we've seen many quarterbacks start to do, or are we talking about kind of the same Kirk Cousins that when there's the requirement for a straight drop back passing game, it's going to be tough on him? I think that, I mean, just – I don't necessarily know how much it's going to be on Kirk Cousins as much as can we run the football effectively. Um, I think a lot's going to fall on can we run the football effectively on first and second down and not put Kirk in the position of third and nine plus Um, because that's where you're going to get the people that pin their back in an offensive line that's kind of new and shuffled around and jumbled, Mm -hmm. especially early in the year. You don't want that. Um, Especially with, I mean, second year center is still going to get a lot of blitzes thrown at him. He's never seen before besides in practice. And when things are flying and bullets are flying and you're not very comfortable recognizing things right away, that can get tough. But I think Kirk, I mean, historically Kirk's done a really nice job every single year. Has he been elite? You could argue it. You could argue that he's an elite quarterback in this league. I think he's definitely in the top 10 quarterbacks in this league. Um, But I think that in order to continue to prove himself and continue to be where he wants to go, he has to get better in the passing game. The question then, where does he go with the football in panic times? Obviously, you have Adam Thielen, but who does he really trust? He lost Diggs, which is a huge one, right? I mean, you got you got the you got the big mountain of a man and Rudy um, over the middle if you really need something, right? Like you know you know Rudy's going to be there, but how much does he trust Irv Smith? How much does he trust Jefferson? How much does he trust BC Johnson? Like those are all going to be things of because people are going to take away Adam Thielen right away, right? They're going to be like, all right, no digs, bam, lock down on Thielen. Let's see if these other guys can beat us. And it's going to be how much trust does Kirk have in these guys to put the ball out there and let them go get it. 
Get back to the conversation in just a minute, but first, you've always counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely at your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants also are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees for your first order when you download the DoorDash app at the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game and every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. You the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I said to Sam Bradford once, uh, when everything goes wrong, throw it at Rudy somewhere because he will catch it. And, I mean, that was, that was the, the Sam Bradford strategy was when someone beats TJ Clemmings in .5 seconds off the uh, left side, throw it to the biggest man on the field. And, and honestly, Kirk – has started to come around on that. But even then, I was looking at the game from Week 16, and there were times where Zadarius Smith blew right through somebody, and here's Rudolph. There's a linebacker right behind him, so it looks like he's covered, but he's just not covered. You can throw it. He'll get it. And that's one thing that Cousins has just never really had click in is instead of taking a sack, he can get four yards or six yards throwing to Kyle Rudolph, and that you essentially treat it like a positive run play. And it's, I don't know, it's something that doesn't really click in his brain. And I think a lot of drives stall because of that. Um, well, because he's never quite too, figured that out. The quarterback, the, the tight ends that he grew up with, I say, in Washington were all the speed. I mean, the Jordan yeah. Reed, the, Nile, the Niles Pauls. Like, he's not used to having that monster Jimmy Graham, Kyle Rudolph, old school Tony Gonzalez type tight end, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, where you literally just like – it's like basketball. You just lob it up, and he's going to go up and get it. I mean, you saw it last year in the Saints game. I think he was trying to throw it away, and all of a sudden, Rudy just boink, like points <laughs> around out of the air, right? I mean, yeah. or the Dallas game. I'm not sure which game Dallas that was. game. You're thinking of Dallas where he's game. rolling to his left. Yeah, and, and you're like, oh, yep, he's throwing it away, and all of a sudden, Rudy just comes out of nowhere and hammers it. But I think you'll see more of that this year. Again, just more of a comfortability thing. Um, I think Kubiak probably is going to hammer home a little bit of that too. I mean, he's used to plugging the tight ends. I mean, he's always had good tight ends wherever he's been and wherever he's coached. So I think you'll see more of that, too. All right. Two things before we wrap up here. Number one is you have a little bit of experience uh, on the agent side of things. I know that because we bumped into each other at the Combine and you were hanging out with your agent. If you're representing Delvin Cook, do you let him step on the field this week? Absolutely. Um, I think think you look at Dalvin and – It'd be one thing now, this would be an entirely different conversation if Dalvin had been healthy for all four years. I mean, entirely. You're telling Dalvin, you sit your butt at home. You're not even at training camp, right? And he's had the numbers and he's had the continued success that he's had from when he is healthy. 
but no one with the Todd Gurley effect is how I call it. Like everyone watched Todd Gurley get paid all that money and then get ran into the ground. Mm -hmm. And now he wasn't effective when you needed him the most in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it is what it is. That's, that's how it went. So everyone include every single team is going to be a little wary of paying running backs big time money that have health issues, whether it be a knee or soft tissue or whatever it might be. And Dalvin has yet to complete a full season. He has yet to be the featured back for 16 plus games and not been dinged. And I think that if you're his agent and if I'm Dalvin's agent, I'm saying you got to prove that. Like, you've got to prove that you can be the guy. Like, you could go sign a decent deal right now, but if you want to go sign the the Christian McCaffrey, the Ezekiel Elliott, the those type of deals, you have to prove you can be the bell cow for the entire season. It is a, a rock and a hard place, though, because you get the age curve. It's like if, if he was any other position going from age 25 to age 26, it would be like, oh, right tackle yeah. at age 25 or 26, yeah. who cares? With a running back, it's, well, he's one step closer to that age 28 where everybody falls off of the cliff. So he's in a tough but, spot. But that's um, the same thing is you've got to take – like you've got to capitalize while you can, right? Like that's the name of the game for running backs. You've got to make as much money as quick as possible. And in order to do that, you've got to be on the field. Right. If you want yeah. to sit out this year, like like you said, yeah, maybe you can play till thirty, but you might not make that extra two or three million a year that you could make before age twenty eight. Right. It's very much a risk reward factor to it. And again, if you would have been healthy this whole time, it's a no brainer. You sit your butt at home and you wait until someone pays you. But I think with the way everything went this year and with last year and the I mean the tearing your ACL, all that, he's got a lot to prove to the other thirty one teams in the NFL. All right, who wins this game, Vikings-Packers? I think Vikings win this game. I do. I think I think that even though there is no fans in U.S. Bank Stadium, it's in U.S. Bank, correct? It is, yes. Yes, I thought so. I'm just making sure because I was watching it. They're playing it in a cornfield. They're playing it in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, but no, I think with, with this being in U.S. Bank Stadium, I think that each team's going to be juiced. I don't think it's going to be a very clean game by either team, but I think that's going to be the norm across all the NFL. I mean, you watch some of these like first few preseason games. You're definitely getting some junk in there that you got to yeah. get out. Well, that didn't happen this year. I think it's really going to come down to who makes the mistakes, the fumbles and the interceptions. I, I really do. I think that it's going to be a turnover game. Every game obviously depends on that, but early in this season, every team's is going to be who turns the ball over less. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that if you have Aaron Rodgers, is notorious for not really turning the football over. Granted, yep. we've gotten some picks on him, but that's because we've gotten that rush on him. Um, so I think the Vikings can win this game. I don't think it's going to be an incredibly high-scoring game. Um, I think that the Vikings probably win if they hit – I think it's a race to 24 points. I think whoever hits 24 points first wins. Um, I think that the Vikings can probably win this game 24-17 is my guess. So um, I've been edging toward with Hunter out the Packers, and I'm probably leaning in that direction but very close because I still really? think there, I still think there think is some advantage. It makes that big a difference. Well, I mean, you said it. If it's one in the trenches, I think the team with the advantage in the trenches is Green Bay um, for this game. And yeah. a lot of other the, – the thing, the, the thing that's pushing me really far toward the Packers is that when Rodgers was not pressured last year in the two games, the one he went 17 for 17 when he wasn't pressured, and the other one he went 21 for 29 when he wasn't pressured. And when he was pressured, of course, he was terrible. But 
how are they creating that pressure without Daniil Hunter? That's what's holding me up. And also, Dozier and Elfline are going to have to prove it to me and Bradbury before I start saying, oh, yeah, they can take on an elite defensive line. So that, that's, kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. But I also think I love this matchup. Uh, division games are proven over a long period of time to be closer because of the familiarity. These coaches now know each other. These players know each other. And uh, I just could not be more excited for this one to be week one and not like Vikings Jags or Vikings Washington sports team or whatever. So um, anyway, before we wrap up, we have an important announcement, Jeremiah, that you are going to be a part of our weekly coverage here on Purple Insider with a show called – Tuesday morning left guard, not MMQB, but Tuesday morning left guard. And so you'll be breaking down film and, and giving all of your analysis. So we're going to start that since we did a preview two weeks from now. And then every week after that, you're looking at film, you're grinding, you're back on that grind. So uh, I'm very excited, man. And I'm very thankful to have you on board. Yeah, man. I'm thankful that for the opportunity. I'm super pumped. I love watching and analyzing football and talking about it. And I mean, you and I have great rapport going back and forth and how we were very football-minded. Football. So I'm excited to be joining the, the, the squad up there. I'm um, going to be going over it, be grinding on the tape, and really try and break down on more of a technical level of things that went really right and things that went disastrously wrong because <laughs> each game has them and each game is everyone kind of sits around and goes, well, why? And so right, my hope right. is I can watch the tape and be like, well, this is why that mic point here, that blitz protection here, this slant thing there. So I'm excited to look into it for a more technical and really get into it on Tuesday mornings after we have a chance to digest and regroup and kind of get started and put the whole thing to bed on Tuesday before we start looking towards the next week. Yeah, man, I'm pumped about it. And uh, that's why we're doing it Tuesday. So you can grind the film first and we can really understand what happened. So um, people should also follow you on Twitter at Searle 71 underscore HSKR. If you can't figure that out, then you don't know much about Jeremiah. <laughs> so uh, looking forward to it, man. And uh, this was great. And we will be talking again very soon. Absolutely. School, baby. Hi, my name is Bobby Peters, and I've recently written a book titled The 2017 New England Patriots Pass Game Manual. If you've ever wondered what makes the New England Patriots offense, specifically their pass game, so successful over the years, this book is for you. The book breaks down in detail the schemes the Patriots use by concept. Each concept is broken down into its different variations, its statistical usage based on down and distance, and the important coaching points for how each route is run and how the quarterback reads the play. The book is available now on Amazon. Get your copy today. Did somebody say playoffs, NBA, and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered? Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall. There's no shortage of ways to bet on hundreds of odds, futures, and props there. So take advantage of the return to sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.